Hello, and welcome to the Woodard Report podcast, where we empower business advisors to transform businesses. This podcast is your source for information and news you need for your accounting, bookkeeping, or tax practice. And it is proudly sponsored by Expensify. For more information about Expensify, please visit woodard.com slash podcast. And now your hosts, Joe Woodard and Heather Satterley. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another uh, Woodard Report podcast. I am just absolutely thrilled to have Dr. Sabrina Starling from Tap the Potential joining us today. Sabrina, welcome. And thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Oh, Heather, I'm so happy to be here. I had such a great time seeing you and so many of your audience members at Scaling New Heights. So it's this is fun to just have this follow-up conversation here on the podcast. Absolutely. And, you know, I was going through the feedback from your sessions and, oh my goodness, it was so needed and so impactful. Um, The attendees that took your session just loved it and got so much out of it. Um, So, yeah. So I want to first kind of have our our listeners get to know you. Um, You call yourself the business psychologist. So you have a PhD in psychology, but you focus on helping business owners. Can you talk about your journey and why that, how that, you know, kind of culminated in your life and, and what your vision and mission and purpose are for, for Tap the Potential? Sure. I mean, talk about a full circle journey. Um, I completed my doctorate in psychology, and I took my first job in community mental health in rural Wyoming um, to get my student loans paid off with the National Health Service Corps. And, you know, when I looked at the amount of interest that was going to accrue on those student loans over the course of my lifetime, to me at the time in my late 20s, that felt like I was winning the lottery. (laughs) And so I went to work in this rural community mental health center, and there was so much need. And obviously, they were using the National Health Service Corps to recruit professionals there to serve. And after about five years of working there, I was completely burnt out. I would come home and I would say to my husband at the time, I have nothing left to give. I feel like a dried up prune. (laughs) And I would just lay on the couch and zone out and watch TV. And I thought I need to find a way. I've invested all this time and energy in getting my doctoral degree. I need to find a way to repurpose my skills. And I learned about life coaching. And I was going to be a life coach. And I started my coaching practice. And I did a talk on time management for the Chamber of Commerce. It was a lunch and learn. And that room was filled. There were 40 business owners. This is a small, small, small town. There were 40 business owners in that room. And I was talking to them about time management. And I thought, you know what? I really don't know much about time management myself. Everything I'm teaching here, I'm learning it now and I'm using it. It's really helping. But so I got clients from that and they wanted my help with work-life balance. And the majority of those clients were small business owners. And what I soon came to realize, the more conversations I had with them is they don't have a work-life balance problem. They have a lack of people problem (laughs) and a lack of good team members problem. And that's why they were working 60, 70, 80 hours a week. And as a psychologist, I was seeing the impact on them and not just them emotionally, but they were talking about their wives being frustrated with them. They were talking about broken relationships with their children, adult children who no longer communicated with them because those 
parents hadn't been present in their lives when they were growing up because they were so busy in the business. And they were talking about depression and anxiety. And I thought, wow, this is a big deal. And so I, I just, instead of life coaching, I really transitioned into business coaching because I wanted to figure out how to help them. And they really wanted my help as a psychologist to help them turn their warm body team members into A players and get them more engaged. And, you know, can you just coach them? Can you figure out how to help me motivate them, Dr. Serena? And I would go to them and I would say, you know, you cannot take someone who's not an engaged employee and who's not an A player. You can't make them, you can't coach them no matter how good I am or how good a coach you are. We're never going to get them to be the A player that you want them to be. And then time and time again, they said to me, Dr. Serena, you don't understand. We are a small business owner. We're in a small town and this is a rural area. We can't get good help. This is just the way it is. And that phrase, it's just the way it is, was stuck in my head. And I started to believe it. I heard myself starting to say it. And I thought, wow, this is not good. And then one morning as I was transitioning from sleep to wakefulness, and Heather, if you've ever had that experience when you have been grappling with a really big problem and all of a sudden you're waking up and you have this bolt from the blue idea of how you're going to solve it. Well, I didn't have that happen. What I had happen (laughs) was this powerful question running through my head of what if it's not true? what if it's not true that because we're in a small town in a rural area and we're small business owners, we can't get good help. And that really put me on a quest to see if I could find small business owners who had A players on their team. And I thought, you know what, if they have A players on their team, maybe they'll let me interview them and I can find out what they're doing and I could teach that to other business owners. Well, none of them would accept an interview. I would call them up. I would write them an email. I'd follow it up with a phone call. And they'd all say, I, yeah, I got your email. I, I'm not interested. And I thought, what? <laughs> and finally, I just said, can you tell me a little more about why you're not interested in being interviewed about your employees? And I heard the same response over and over. I have a couple who I think are A players, but if I ever lost them, I don't know how I'd replace them because I have no idea what I did to get them. And I feel really lucky to have them. And I don't want to jinx myself. It, you know, this is that kind of thing. And, and they said, if you can figure this out, would you please come back and tell me? Well, I'm pleasantly persistent. And I said, okay, I get it. You don't want to be interviewed. No worries. Would you just tell me the story of how Mary or Joe came to be working for you? And that they lowered their guard and they started telling me their stories. And I collected those stories. And I remember one evening in my living room, I laid these stories out on the floor and I just started looking at them and I started putting them in groups because I noticed there were patterns and themes in these stories. And my awareness was, wow, if there's a pattern and a theme here, there's a system. There's a system for attracting A players to your team. And so I, that's how I wrote my first book in the How to Hire the Best series. And I always say that I never set out to write How to Hire the Best. I never set out to be a hiring expert for small business owners. What I really wanted to do is solve the work-life balance problem to help entrepreneurs take their lives back from their business. And that's, so after I wrote the How to Hire the Best series, then I went on to write the four-week vacation. And the four-week vacation is all about taking your life back. And so the full circle for me, is that I am showing entrepreneurs now that you can have a sustainably profitable business, you can grow it, 
and you can have a good quality of life. You don't have to buy into hustle culture because hustle culture, the grinded out mentality that we just have to work harder and harder and pursue all those opportunities, that's what burns us out. And what I'm amazed by is how powerfully impactful entrepreneurs are. Like we are responsible for 44% of the of net new jobs and two thirds of the payroll. And, and we're doing that when we're burnt out. Nine out of 10 entrepreneurs is burnt out. And I can't help but wonder if we're capable of that when we're burnt out, what are we capable of when we're thriving? when we are taking care of ourselves and our mental health is good and we have a lot of clarity and we have energy to come in and be impactful. And so that's, that's what I get really excited about. That, you know, and I'm, I'm absolutely intrigued having been, you know, an entrepreneur um, for, for a very long time. And honestly, I actually used to be in denial about that. Right. And I think that a lot of small business owners and entrepreneurs are in denial yes. because being an entrepreneur is very uncomfortable and you don't feel like you're good at it. So you're like, I'm not really an entrepreneur, um, but you can't you can't be an entrepreneur. And I, went, I mean, you can totally disagree with me, but I don't think you can be an entrepreneur without having that drive um, to, to go out and, and be independent. Um, so I want to know, because I mean, having, I mean, everything you're saying resonates so much with me having run my, you know, grown in my own businesses. How, what, how do you, how do you do that with you? How do you get that success with, with the businesses? Yeah. So this has been a lot. So I have been studying this and working on this for like 18 years now, like really mm -hmm. testing and refining. And when I was a brand new coach and going through life coach training and, you know, when you're a new coach, you're always, cause coaches ask these powerful questions. And so I always thought I need to have my list of powerful questions going into all my sessions. So I know what to ask. And my, co my coach said, no, you have to be spontaneous and in the moment. You can't just go in with a list of questions. But I did have one question that I started every session off with just kind of as an icebreaker and it got things going in a positive direction. And that question is, what are your wins and successes? And I started tracking what the wins and successes are and noticing the themes and patterns and testing and honing and refining and looking at what do you need to do first in your business? And all the business owners that we work with at Tap the Potential are established business owners. So, you know, not startups. You're in the place where your business is growing and or maybe it's grown and it's plateaued, but that's really where our business owners are. And so I was always looking at well, what what needs to happen in these businesses for the business to be profitable and to have it be a great place to work and for the business owner to have a quality of life and how what order do we put things in? So that's how I developed the tap the potential solution. And what's interesting, and I'll, I'll break it down in the five steps in just a moment. But one of the things I want to share is that in the last three years, we have been studying burnout as it relates to the health of the systems in the business. And we have data now on almost 600 entrepreneurs. We've analyzed the data on 230 of them. And we see solid trends that support the tap the potential solution. So now we're able to say this is not just, you know, experience driven, this is research driven. So step one is to design your business to be sustainably profitable. 
And that means many of your listeners are profit first professionals familiar with profit first, putting the profit first system in place in the business. When you have that in place, you immediately have guardrails in the business that give you parameters of, oh, here's how much your operating expenses should be. Here's how much you should be setting aside for taxes. Here's how much you should be paying yourself. And of course, most businesses are not paying themselves the owner enough and their operating expenses are too high. So we start slimming down that business. And what I often say is, well, first off, you want to make sure that every decision that follows is around the question of, does this contribute to the profitability of the business or does this take away from the profitability of the business? And as you start to base every strategic decision around that, you make better choices about how the money is spent and allocated, how the resources are allocated in the business. But then what we find is most businesses that are established businesses, we have overweight businesses. <laughs> and that comes from when we're in startup mode and we need to get the cash coming into the business, we say yes to every opportunity that comes our way. And so by doing that, yes, cash comes into the business. But if we don't ever stop using that mindset to run our more mature businesses, these businesses become highly inefficient. There's a lot of waste going on. And I loved talking about the 80-20 principle. So we all, and many of us have heard of that. So 20% of our revenue, of our clients are likely responsible for 80% of our revenue. We all know that, but we don't pay enough attention to the reverse. 80% of our clients are only responsible for 20% of our revenue. And that bottom 80% of our clients are our PETA clients, the pain in the assets clients, the ones that need a lot of rework. They need a lot of handholding. They complain. They turn their things in late to us. So we're always behind. And not only are they utilizing our time and energy, but then we think, well, we're really busy. We need to go hire. And then we hire and we bring team members on to take care of this bottom 80% of our clients that are only contributing 20% of the revenue. And it's probably not profitable revenue that they're contributing. And so payroll is the biggest expense in a business, typically beyond rent. And now we're inflating our payroll to deal with unprofitable clients and customers and our businesses just get more and more overweight. And this is where it becomes the cycle that we feel as business owners that no matter how much revenue comes in, I'm always chasing my tail. I'm never able to pay myself. Where, where's the profit? And so we have to put the business on a diet and we have to really identify who are those top 20%, who are the best clients, what do they appreciate most about working with you, what do they see about you as unique, and hone that in because those are opportunities to, there's opportunities to innovate and add value for those top clients. And if you start letting go of the bottom 80% that are only contributing 20% of the revenue, your time and energy and your team's time and energy suddenly gets freed up. And it's a very different business to run at that point. And that's where we hear business owners say, I'm falling back in love with my business. I can't believe, I actually like going to work. I like our clients again. This is amazing. And it becomes much easier to raise prices and, and convey the value that you're providing for your top clients so that you can pay yourself appropriately at that point. But then you also need to hire A players and you need to have this lean and mighty team. And so if you have an overweight business, A players do not want to work with your worst clients and customers. 
you know, and that's our natural tendency when we hire team members. Oh, I'm tired of dealing with so-and-so you take them. Maybe you can have a better luck with them than me. Well, that's going to drive away your A players. But the other thing that I often hear is, well, Dr. Sabrina, I can't afford to hire A players. Well, if you have done the slimming down of the business and you're focused on the top clients and you're innovating to add margin and value for your top clients, you will be able to afford to pay A players. And as you grow your lean and mighty team, you will hire A players and they can take the systematizing of the business off of you. Oftentimes, we entrepreneurs are not the best ones to be putting systems in place in our businesses. And that is ultimately what leads to the business owner being able to take their life back from their business. That's really, really powerful. Um, so you have a uh, you have a, a handout that you give out, which yes. talks about um, ten thousand dollar an hour activities. Can yes. you tell us a little bit about that because that absolutely piqued my interest. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. Okay. That. So when I was starting my business and I had, I mean, I was starting from the ground up. I did not know how to market. I did not know how to sell. I was learning coaching and I had my first child. Um, I had a newborn at home. And so my time was very limited. And I also had decided that I was only going to run my business on 25 hours a week because that was the most I was willing to put my daughter in daycare. And so I would drop her off at daycare and I'd run home and I was like, five hours, I got five hours, I got to make it count. Well, one morning I had dropped her off with the babysitter and I'd come home and overnight she had, you know, as kids do, they vomit and whatever. And she, her bedding was a mess. And so I had to stop and I had to do all the laundry before I could get in and do my work. And I was in the laundry room and I just had this massive meltdown, like blubbering, crying, like I can't do it all. And after I kind of released that, I had this clarity come over me and I asked myself, I said, Sabrina, if you can only get one thing done today that's going to move your business forward, what is that going to be? And all of a sudden, I, I knew my answer. I don't remember what it was at the time, but I knew what I needed to do. I went and I did it and I ended my day feeling like, okay, I've accomplished something today. This feels good. And then I did it the next day and I did it the next day. And then you know, around that time, I started to become aware that there are activities that we do in our businesses that are more valuable than others in terms of moving them forward. That, you know, and checking our email is not a high value activity in our business. Doing our own bookkeeping. I hear so many business owners say, oh, yeah, I can do my own books. It's no big deal. Yes, it's a big deal. <laughs> that is taking you away from how you're going to add value to the business. Hire someone who can do that for you and who will do it better than you. And what what we don't pay enough attention to when we're deciding, I'm just going to do it because it's easy. It'll just take me a few minutes, whatever task that is in our business. We're not thinking about, well, what is that keeping me from doing? And how much context switching are we doing as we go through our days and we try to do our social media and our bookkeeping and our checking our email and all that, we're never getting to the high value activity that really grows the business. So the chart of $10,000 an hour activities shows you what is a $10 an hour activity in your business, a $100, $1,000, and a $10,000 an hour activity. It's a one page. You can print it out. I always say laminate it. Put it on your desk behind you because it's a constant reminder of the highest value use of your time in the business. And if every week 
you can do one or two $10,000 an hour activities and you spend a few hours a week doing that, your business is going to grow. That's how I've grown to half the potential running the business on 25 hours a week. It's about 17, 18 years now. So wow. if you want to get your hands on this chart, just go to tapthepotential.com forward slash 10K. I love that. Now you had alluded to the five strategies. Can you yes. dig into those, the five strategies um, to actually become profitable? Can you dig into that a little bit for us? So I, I just kind of walked through that. That's design your business to be sustainably profitable, niche down with a clearly defined sweet spot, innovate gotcha. to add value lean and mighty team. And the most impactful, I think the one that's really surprises people is that you can run your business with fewer team members than you think you need. And just kind of circling back to what I said earlier about payroll being one of the biggest expenses, A players are 900 to 1200% more productive than warm bodies. And when you hire an A player and you put them in a clearly defined role with clear results that you're needing from them and you align the results that you expect from them with their personal strengths, that's where you're going to get that 900 to 1200% increased productivity. And you don't need as many team members as you think you need because those A players are going to knock it out of the park for you. And that's really the key to building that profit into the business. And so how do you cultivate that culture within your team? So what are the, some of the, what are some of the things that you would recommend, you know, you get, yeah. you get these players on, what are the strategies that, you know, that folks can employ to, you know, really maximize their efforts? I love that you're asking me this because this is a section at Scaling New Heights when I presented that I touched on, but I didn't have time to really say, here's what you do. So thank you so much for asking that. <laughs> so the number one thing that you can do to really get a, a great culture going in your business is to sit down and reflect on what are your own core values and turn those into your immutable laws, your non-negotiable standards. And the reason this is so important is because we can train team members to do all kinds of things in our business. Basic skills can be trained, but we cannot train values. So we want to identify our values and we want to hire team members whose values align with ours. Because no matter how many systems we put in place in our businesses, something will always, there will always be a curveball and there's no system, there's no process to address it. And you want to be away from the business. Well, if you want to be away from the business and you have team members who have similar core values as you, you can be pretty confident that no matter what comes up, they're going to find a way to handle it that you're going to feel good about. They may do it differently than you would, but you're going to feel good about the spirit and intention and how the situation was resolved. And so the how-to on this, how to identify your immutable laws is to pay attention to what's gone on in your life or in your business recently where you felt particularly proud. Because whatever we feel proud of reflects a core value. And also the, the reverse of that is to pay attention to what's ticked us off lately. Because whatever has ticked us off indicates a value has been violated somewhere. Someone's violated a value for us. And that's a red flag. And just identify what that value is. Start putting language around these. Your immutable laws become the velvet rope around your business. I always say A players hang together. The reason A players hang together is we're drawn to each other because of the similarity in values. 
And so when we put this velvet rope in our business and we say, we will no longer do business with this vendor because they violated an immutable law. We had that discussion just yesterday um, in one of our team meetings. It's everyone just breathes a sigh of relief because it doesn't feel good to deal with those individuals. And when we start putting our immutable laws out there, we will attract clients who mirror those immutable laws. They will be happy to work with our team members because our team members hold similar values. So that's the key to getting the culture, just a great culture off the ground in the business. And you'll also find that your team members will become very protective of this culture. They will point out when someone is violating immutable laws. They will not tolerate another team member who does that. I love this. And, and, and you know, I can, I can totally attest to this. I, I actually worked with a coach um, on my last business and this was the one thing that I wanted to focus on in my business because I knew I needed to build the team. And the biggest takeaway and what I'm hearing from what you're saying is you've got to be your authentic self. You know, you and I, if throughout our careers have been in the world of business that said, don't bring your personal life to work, yes. right? Yes. Keep those as two separate, two separate places. As a business owner, you can't do that because you've got to bring your whole self just for the reason that you said, as far as like getting your team aligned and your clients aligned with your values. You know, when I was working with my coach um, to hire my team, we did exactly what you just said. We talked about, we dug into how I felt, what I needed and what I felt like I needed to help me perform at my best. Yes. So what are the things that people say to you? So some of the questions that my coach asked me, what are some of the things that people say to you that make you feel empowered? And what are some of the behaviors that you experience that make you feel stifled or don't feel safe? Mm -hmm. And so asking yourself those questions kind of opens up your mind to really understand the type of culture you want in your business. Yeah. And we actually worked after we kind of did all that work and it took a while. It took a lot. It, it took time to really dig in and be honest about you know, how, how I was functioning, the things that my expectations were. Cause I think a lot of times when you're just looking at the task-based stuff, I need somebody to do these things, these tasks, yeah. you're not looking at why, you know, in some cases it's obvious, right. Um, but you're also not looking at the dynamics of when you're asking somebody to do a task and you're expecting a result, what are the emotional responses on both ends of that, you know, um, expectation and what types of personalities um, and values do you need to have in place to make that work? And so it sounds simple, but it's really, you got to do a lot of soul searching to make that work. And, and I love that that's the work you're doing. It's, it's brilliant. Yeah. Well, and you know, that's where that chart of $10,000 an hour activities mm -hmm. comes so valuable to you because you can look at what you're doing that you procrastinate on. For me, I realized the things that I procrastinate on are not my strengths. So I needed to get those off of my plate and I needed to bring someone in who had strengths in those areas. And like what you said about, it's not just tasks. You know, if you, if it's a lot of business owners will say, I just need to hire a mini me. And then they're going to do all the other things. No, you need to hire somebody who's got the rights, the, the strengths to do if it's social media, somebody who's got strengths who loves doing that. And that's going to be somebody very different than a bookkeeper, for example, in your business. So there's there is a lot there to to unpack, Heather. 
we we think I, if I can just hire someone who will do all these different things, my social media, my bookkeeping, they'll handle my email. Those are all very different skill sets. And there's personality strengths that are needed to do each of those exceptionally well. And they're different personality strengths. Someone who's going to be a great bookkeeper is going to have tremendous attention to detail. Oftentimes they're more introverted. They may not be the best person to be doing your social media because extroverts like social media (laughs) and they have, they have a creative mind and they love visuals and that's a very different type of strength. And so when we're breaking down our chart of $10,000 an hour activities and saying, okay, I don't have enough time to focus on my $10,000 an hour activities. So I'm going to offload some of these things. I'm going to hire or I'm going to subcontract out. We need to be looking at what are the strengths that we need to bring on our team. What are our areas, our Achilles heels, the things that we're not good at, the things we procrastinate on and bring in someone else who has those strengths. And we often don't have to hire full time. We can usually find people part time to do these things, which also helps us to grow. Because a lot of times when people come in part time and you have a great place to work, they're eager for more hours and more time to work with you. And it just creates a natural growth path for them and for the business. I, I love that. I, you know, as I was sharing when, when I went through this process the last time, one of the things that, that we really focused on was once we figured out who we needed and what their personality type was, we worked really hard to craft the, uh, the job description for the job ad to make it sound appealing to the person we were looking for. And there was a lot of conversations and a lot of effort that went into that. And what was really miraculous about that was that the two people I ultimately hired, the things that I heard from them during the interviews, and I heard it from both of, of during that round, the two people that I ended up hiring who were perfect for the, the, uh, the position was, I felt like your ad was speaking directly yes. to me. Yes. That's and it. And it was like, there, there it was. And I remember being in the interview going, there it is. And then the other things that I was hearing from them was um, I looked at your website and I just feel like I already knew you. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. hearing those things validated and let me tell you, you know, I, I did hire them part time. And I said, if you're the right person for this position, you will be full time like that. Both yeah. of them were full time within two months. Yeah. And, and so that's, it was, that it was, is it was. That's the best thing. And one of the, th- we, I teach a course on how to hire the best. And one of the things that I teach is how to write a job ad that speaks to the A players you want to attract. And that sounds yeah. like you did that beautifully. And I would imagine that part of that process for you was including your values and your immutable laws yes. that they said, oh, yes, this is like a breath of fresh air. This is where I want to be. Love it. Love it. Um, so how do people start? Where should they start? They're hearing that, you know, they're hearing this or saying, yes, I want, um, I want to have more of that work-life harmonization. Mm-hmm. I know I need to build a team. How can I get started? Absolutely. So I want to mention that I have the Profit by Design podcast where every week I share tips, tools, and strategies to help you design your business to be sustainably profitable. And a lot of our clients who come in at Tap the Potential start by listening to the podcast because they want more. And there's a lot of good teaching there. And then the other, the next step, I would say we would come over to our website at tapthepotential.com and book a call with a member of our success team and let our success team member talk to you about 
understanding where you are in your business, what your particular challenges are. We have so many resources at Tap the Potential. We actually utilize what we call success concierges who can connect you with exactly what you need based on your challenge. So this is a tremendous opportunity. Just go over to tapthepotential.com and book a call and let us start supporting you on your journey. And we'll guide you as to where to go on this path to get to that point where you can take your life back from your business. You know, the last thing that that I kind of want to bring up, because it, it was one of those things that really struck me um, and I really wanted, <laughs> was, you know, when we were booking this podcast um, episode together, uh, I was I was hoping to book you right after Scaling New Heights. And, you know, uh, Heather, your assistant had said, hey, she's on her four week, her annual four week vacation. And so <laughs> you have a whole system and that's like your goal is yes. to help business owners. And I think you even have a specific number of business owners that you want to help yes. to actually achieve an annual four-week vacation every year. Can you tell me a little bit about that? And So I'm a little older in life. <laughs> I won't say how old, but I got to thinking about how will I know when I'm ready to retire? And my answer to that was, well, you have to have made an impact. And I was like, okay, well, how will I know I've made an impact? And I really, I want to disrupt hustle culture. And I want to help entrepreneurs take their lives back. I want them to be present and connected with their families and their loved ones. That's what matters to me. And so I had to come up with a measurable for that. So I will know I can be retired when 10,000 entrepreneurs have taken a four-week vacation over the next 10 years. That's the big, hairy, audacious goal. So we would love to have more entrepreneurs taking that four-week vacation. And we actually, we have a place where you can make the pledge. And again, our success concierges will get you resources to support you on your four-week vacation journey. So just go to tapthepotential.com forward slash pledge. I love it. And I am taking my very first two-week vacation in two weeks from today. And so that's a big deal. I had done the one weeks, but I'm up to two. So I'm getting there. And I think I will take your pledge. So (laughs) this has been absolutely fantastic, Dr. Sabrina. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for joining uh, me on the podcast. And um, for for folks that are looking to take that pledge, uh, I'm putting in the link into... uh, into the podcast below. So look for that where you can go take that pledge and learn more about Tap the Potential. Um, Thank you again, Dr. Sabrina. And I really hope that you'll come back uh, to Scaling New Heights. Um, We would love to have you again. Thank you for joining us. For more information, please visit woodard.com slash podcast.